and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Chris Henry of the EAA Aviation Museum in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And with us tonight, we have a special guest. Uh, anybody that is a space uh, freak or aficionado uh, has got to check out uh, the Facebook page, Space Hipsters. And with us tonight, we have the leader of the Space Hipsters, Emily Carney. Emily, thanks for coming on tonight. Wonderful. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, it's really exciting having you on. Now, maybe we should go into a little bit more about what Space Hipsters is, who they are, or how many there are. And uh, how did you how did you get started with Space Hipsters as a group? Well, it's funny. Um, what happened was uh, Space Hipsters started in February uh, 2011, uh, shortly before the shuttle program ended. And when it started initially, uh, I honestly started it as a place to share my stupid spaceflight memes. It was not, I did not think it would ever have any kind of popularity whatsoever. <laughs> um, basically what happened was one night I was like, man, I want to start a Facebook group about human, just spaceflight in general. There was really no f- focus or a specific type of spaceflight or an era or anything like that. I asked my husband, I'm like, what should I call this group? And he, and he was like, call it Space Hipsters because you think you did everything first because you're a hipster. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So I called it Space Hipsters and I figured if I hated the name, I could change it. And it, it just caught on. Uh, <laughs> and now I can't change it. Uh, we, we developed a following pretty quickly. Uh, we got to 100 members and I was like, yeah, that's amazing. We're just going to be at 100 members forever. That's great. And over the years, we just more and more people kind of got the message uh and we started having um get-togethers and i really credit um lois honeycutt uh she's a one of the moderators in the group we have uh, i think we have eight moderators from all over the world now because we have uh so many different spaceflight fans from all over the world but lois is the one who started our get-togethers and um she started the space hipsters book prize in the last year and she really gets it, for me, she gets most of the credit in doing those kind of interesting little things. You know, the fans, they have uh, places to visit. I think this uh, this year, um, the Space Hipsters visited uh, the, the Mishu uh, facility uh, in Mississippi. And uh, Fred Hayes, the actually, Fred Hayes, who is the uh, the Apollo 13 astronaut, the lunar module pilot, was uh, was there, which was really cool. So, so that was a th- kind of a big thrill for everybody but yeah um it's really gotten big in the last few years and uh now it's uh almost july 2018 and we're almost at 15,000 people oh, in the group gosh. which is mind blowing to me that's like a big rock concert yeah so i never <laughs> believed in my life i'd be part of anything this big but it's really pretty humbling and really really cool at the same time so uh, it's been a really enjoyable experience but I would say to summarize space hipsters uh we're kind of a big tent space group we uh we don't really discriminate on any type of space flight uh we talk about space flight in a lot of different nations uh unmanned space flight or unhuman helmed space flight I should say and and we have a soft spot you know obviously for space flight history and like discussing the Apollo 13 the Ron Howard film and it's just 
obviously just a classic. I think the minute it got released, it became a classic, especially to us uh, space buffs. So, oh, for so sure. That, that, I guess that kind of sums up space hipsters, I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I thought was interesting was, when I, I, I'm a more recent member, I guess, maybe in the last year or so, I think, and it was amazing to go on there and you would ask a question, and I'll, and I'll use this as an example, but you know, you would you throw out an X15 question, and like Jeannie Angle would actually reply with Joe and just be like, "Here's the answer," and they're like, "Oh my God! Like, there's actually astronauts on here! Like, this yes. is incredible!" <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is incredible. I mean, for me as somebody who grew up, uh, I, I mean, I remember you know I, I grew up in the '80s, uh, about hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, the space shuttle program, the launches. I, I grew up fairly close to. Um, Kennedy Space Center, and where I lived, you could see the launches from across the state, and I never imagined in my life I'd be talking to any of these people about anything, but yeah, that's another thing to me that's just mind-blowing, and I'm very honored that people who are like pioneers feel that welcome in in the group to kind of discuss these things, because uh, you don't see that everywhere, so uh, yeah, to me that is (laughs) mind-blowing, too, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, to the point that Jeannie was, uh, we were scrambling to find a space hipster's pin when uh, I did my Facebook Live with Joe, and she was like, oh, we got to find a pin, and we were, like, tearing my office apart looking for where it went, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was really crazy, I mean, it's really, it's it's really uh, enjoyed by those people, not, they're not just there, like, they actually take part in it, and they're actually enjoying it, which I think is really cool. Yes, it's really humbling, I should say, because, like, like I said, no, I'll, I'll I'll repeat this over and over again to anybody who will hear it. I mean, as a kid, I just I was just obsessed. I was I was the biggest space nerd even as a little kid, and I remember just reading these books and just just being blown away by these people. And to have them in the group and to even be able to talk to them has been like just but being able to talk to them about having questions about stuff has been nothing short of incredible. So. Yeah, it is. It's just been a really neat experience. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is stunning. I mean, the the level of knowledge. I mean, there's there's people not only the astronauts, but you know, flight controllers and yes, folks folks that worked on the LEM, and they're all you know they're retired now, but they remember like it was yesterday. They can tell you what the uh, torque settings were for the wrenches that you screw the bolts on the bottom of the LEM pads and, and things. It was just like. It really you have the ultimate human resource for uh, for space knowledge, um, and it's it's always flabbergasting just to just to go onto your site and see um, you know like your little uh, space hipster stickers that turn up in the uh, the most amazing of places. You, you do have one on the ISS, isn't there one? We did have one on the ISS. Uh, I now I have it. Uh, it's okay. a, it's actually in my house. Wow. Um, that's a really neat story. It's it's really funny. Uh, one day. One, I should say one night, uh, I believe it was in, uh, for our fifth anniversary, it was in uh, February 2016, I think. Yeah, one night I'm just chilling. I forgot um, where I was. I think I was, I may have been at home at the time, but all I know is um, I'm chilling, you know, I'm just hanging out online and I, I check space hipsters and all of a sudden this picture shows up of a pin in the cupola of uh, the ISS and I thought it was a Photoshop at first. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, that's not real. And then... I looked at it and people are like, no, that's real. Cause you could see the sunlight, you know, kind of bouncing off the edges or I should wow. say the earth light <laughs> bouncing <laughs> off the edges of the, of the pin. And I'm like, holy crap. And I had no, honestly, I had no idea it was up there. 
at all. Uh, it it kind of just made its way up there. It was just oh my god. So um, yeah, it, it made its way to the ISS, and which was a surprise to me. I I had no idea. So um, so I would say about a year later, I got it in the mail. Wow. <laughs> I got it in the mail. With um, you know, an authentic, you know, an authentication, like a note, you know, like yes, this has really been on the ISS. It was taken up here by whatever, and I, it was just, I was just mind blowing. I don't think I'll ever go to space in my lifetime, but that's, that's pretty darn close. So uh, I can't say I'm unhappy. That that was really cool, and we've had a lot of, um, we've also had a lot of people, you know, like uh, one day, this is this is another funny story. One day I'm chilling like in my break room at work. I'm on lunch and I'm eating my salad or whatever I'm doing, you know, just minding my business. And um, Alexei uh, Leonov, I'm looking in wow. hipsters. He's wearing a pin. And I'm like, what? wait, what? <laughs> so I literally, I'm like, at first I thought it was a joke. I was like, okay, somebody photoshopped that. Every time these things happen, I'm like, it's Photoshop. Yeah. It's not real, right? So, and I'm like, no, that's real. He's really wearing one of our pins. And I, I literally had to grab hold of a chair. I thought I was going to pass out. That was <laughs> mind-blowing. Because I'm like, oh, my gosh, that guy is the original space hipster. So that that yeah. was really cool. So, Holy yeah, smokes. like yeah, like I've said, yeah. it, it's been beyond – it's been an amazing <laughs> adventure. So, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually have a space hipster's uh, pin story. I was uh, – how I got my pin, I have one. And I literally was on stage introducing Frank Borman. And I, I come off stage, and somebody just ran up and literally pinned it on me. <laughs> like, that's how I got my pin. That's I, awesome. I have no idea who it was. Like, they were just like, you need one of these. And they pinned this thing on me. And that's how I actually found Space Hipsters. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and I went on Facebook. Like, that, true story. Like, that, that I, I wish I could find out who that was that gave me my pin. So if you if you hear this, let me know if I met you. Cause <laughs> I'd love to know who it was that I need to thank. That's awesome, especially after you introduced Frank. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's really that's, neat. That's pretty wild. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to the seventies. Now we'll talk about a, a little bit more about the original space hipsters uh, meeting uh, together in a suburb of Houston as they're watching the Apollo Eleven. Uh, uh, well, Apollo Eleven's landed already, but they're uh, they're about to take the first steps on the moon. Um, and, and we're at a party that never happened. So yes, <laughs> um, but it, it tells well, so it, it works well for the script. And uh, we see. Uh, Everybody walking around, including the uh, the mysterious Capcom that's never identified. But I would assume, uh, based on the role that he plays later in the movie, it's supposed to be Jack Lausma, um, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, now, you are friends with uh, with Mr. Lausma, I believe, yes? Yes, he's a, he's a, he's a really cool guy. He's, he's yeah. very, he's probably the... F- uh, most I I'm gonna I don't want to get anybody mad or anything, but um mo- most of the astronauts you know and personalities I dealt with are extremely friendly. I don't want to make it sound like no you know, but Jack is just the nicest, most pardon the pun down to earth normal guy you've ever met. He's a he's a wonderful person. He's really cool. Yeah, and he he will be playing such a, a major role. I, they kind of compress a lot of characters in this, but uh, but 
uh, Jack Lozma really did. Uh, he was the voice of Earth to Apollo 13 through most of the critical points uh, in this in the story as we're going on. So it's uh, it's nice that they focus a bit on how he has to interact with all these guys and know know how to tell tell them what to do. So it's uh, yeah, had a fascinating role in history. If um if there's one thing you notice if you listen to the uh, well even in the film and if you listen to the actual tape of when you know every when the explosion happened on uh, Apollo 13, uh, Lausma was the Capcom. And if you listen to it, like, obviously the movie takes some more dramatic license to, yeah. you know, to kind of amp it up a bit, you know, amp up the drama a bit. And um, and I think it does a good job. It's, it's pretty tasteful. And really, I mean, it was very dramatic what happened. You yeah. know? I don't think they even knew at the time what trouble they were really in. If you notice, if you actually listen to the, the, the loop, Jack is so calm during it. That's the thing that really blew me away the most was these guys were so well-trained because they were so well-trained, you know, in, in any kind of contingency. And I would have been like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I, so, This is why I, I'm not an astronaut because I would have been like, oh, my God, what do we do? And stuff. And Jack is just very, like, really just calm to the point, very, you know, just no hint of anything in his voice you know he's he's really just a calming kind of a balm to the the, the swagger uh hazen level and stuff so that that really blows me away how well trained they were in case something bad happened so that's just yeah, something he, he, he really did sound like he was just reading off the weather for the next three days you know it's just like oh and there's gonna be sunny and <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah it, it, it is an amazing thing to hear the original the original audio there yeah um, yeah but, I, do, Obviously, they handled it really beautifully, considering what was going on. I, like I said, I, I would have. It's this is why I'm not an astronaut because I would have been a total mess. Like, oh my god, <laughs> stuff. So I thought that to me, when you actually listen to, and I think Ker, yeah, Kerwin was a Capcom as well, and he right. he's also he's got it together. He's really calm. He's there's really no hint of anything between the ground and the crew of anybody panicking or anything like that. So it just. Like I said, it tells you how well thought out everything was. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they were they were they were the right people at the right place. I mean, I think that that's how part of the survival was is just having the right personalities and being able to get along like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another another fellow that we're we're hearing in the background here, uh, actual uh, the actual audio um, is uh, uh, the late Bruce McCandless, who's talking uh, Neil down the ladder. And he's just, he was just an amazing, you know. Again, all of these guys were amazing, but he was just uh, he happened to be at the right place in history for for his shift. Being he he handled the launch of Apollo Eleven, and then talking uh, Neil and Buzz through uh, their their walk on the moon and explaining what people were seeing on the uh, you know on the on the video. Probably one of the most watched uh, pieces of video in the history of the world up to that time. Um, we we see a nice a, a nice view of the cla- the classic first moments of uh, the moon landing. Uh, they had the uh, switch thrown upside down in Australia uh, for for uh, registering the uh, the picture. So we see uh, that opening shot of uh, of Neil coming down the ladder. There, it's upside down. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you get you can you get to watch as they uh, well they, they they cut away before you see it. But down in Anisogo uh, uh, Creek, they were madly throwing switches and trying to get it so that it would come up the right way around. I know I'm the only one here old enough to remember all this stuff, but uh, I remember just being a little kid in my PJs watching this, and there 
there's a lot of there's a lot of noise in this picture for you know it, it's obviously supposed to be a uh, you know for dramatic purposes having this party with people standing around drinking but everybody i know that was watching this you could have heard a pin drop no matter where you were nobody was speaking and just trying to make out what was going on on the screen and who was you know <laughs> what are you looking at because it was kind of a Rorschach uh test figuring out what you're looking at but it was a uh, it was quite a great time to be alive and uh hopefully we can see that again sometime soon i hope yes <laughs> i hope to see somebody stand there um i just wanted to get into a little bit on the uh we're, we're seeing more production cards going by here as different people that worked on the on the movie um we're seeing a production designer uh, michael Korenblith, who basically if you want a movie that's set in the 50s or the 60s this is the guy that can find all the furniture all the little um knickknacks and and the clothing and all that 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 people wore and uh, and sat on <laughs> back yes. then he's he's the one that designed that uh, that thing um most famously recently for seeing the found if you've seen the founder that's the michael keaton movie about the ray Kroc and uh, mcdonald's uh, he worked on that. Uh, he did Saving Mr. Banks, another another uh, Tom Hanks movie, um, all set in the set in the uh, in the '60s. The Blind Side, which was also set in the '60s, uh, Frost Nixon. So he, he really he he really is well developed. I'm I'm sure that he has like a warehouse full of <laughs> '60s stuff that they can roll out and uh, and dress a set. But this, I'm really impressed. Most impressed watching this. It really. Sometimes when you watch 60s movies, they over-60s it, and this is just subtle enough that it really captures it without being um, a caricature of, of the 60s. Yeah, it's not kitschy. Or... Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, except for except for Tracy's white go-go boots. I don't know how many people, yeah. <laughs> people wore them around. <laughs> Wasn't that, that a Swigert's girlfriend in the movie? Yeah. Or one of exactly, his girlfriends? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She may have worn white go-go boots. Yeah, so. maybe that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want to get 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 with an astronaut? Wear the go-go boots. We also have uh, uh, Dean Cundy shows up. He's uh, I think you could probably just call him Ron Howard's uh, cinematographer. He's he's done so many so many movies. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He uh, he also most famously Dean Cundy designed the uh, Steadicam work for um, Halloween, the original Halloween movie. Um, all that uh, that terrifying, uh, you know, so that, that was the first. A lot of movies now they use the slasher, where you have you know these slasher films where the the, the evil serial killer is going through the woods and it, it, very smoothly. Dean Cundy is the guy that came up with that. So uh, don't see a lot of uh, a lot of steady cam in this movie, but he's also had a film when they were in the vomit comet filming uh, weightlessness. He had to come up with the idea of how to how to shoot this stuff so that it looked real. And that was one of his ideas of putting them in a, uh, <laughs> putting them in a vomit comet and, and flying the film crew up and down uh, dozens of times to get those shots. Yeah. Have, have, have you talked with anybody in the, pro- in the production of this, Emily? I don't know if you've, if you've bumped into mm. any Apollo 13 film people. No, I have not. Unfortunately. Um, I've talked to, um, I, I believe I talked, to uh, Fred Hayes before I've never you know what's sad is I've never really ginned up the courage to talk to Lovell because uh, I'm former Navy and being you know and uh, he's one of the most legendary Navy astronauts of all time yeah. and I, I I think I've stood next to him before like at an event and stuff but I, I was so I all I did was sipped at my my cocktail and just smiled at him. I didn't say <laughs> I was too terrified to say anything and I know he's a really nice guy. It's not that you yes. know he's an He's intimidating. He's nothing like that. It's just I was just 
kind of too starstruck, I should say. So I never, and I didn't want to be like, oh my God, I love you so much. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. But um, I've talked to Hayes before, and he talked a little bit. Um, I talked to him about an interview for an article that I haven't written yet. I hope to write it someday. But uh, basically, I was kind of, I, I wanted to do a piece about the command module pilot's role during, um, basically during the Apollo missions, because we hear a lot about the men who walked on the moon. That That's pretty awesome, but what about the guys orbiting orbiting the moon? What did, what was their role, and what did they do? And um, and I asked him a little bit about Swigert, who obviously had a, a very different role, because he, uh, he ended up not really fulfilling it, at least in the sense that he um, the mission was called off before he was able to thankfully he he wasn't orbiting the moon alone when that um yeah that happened that could have been pretty a, a different tale entirely he he kind of illustrated to me you know what jack was like as a person a little other than what he was portrayed like in the film because um sure. is it okay if i talk a little bit about that oh yeah please do yeah well in the film and i love apollo i want to say before i say this i i love the movie apollo 13 and this isn't really a criticism of the film because I understand for cinema, they have to kind of amp up some of the drama in the film, and they kind of have to set the scene and things like that. With the Swigert, by the time Apollo 13 was was released, I think it was in 1995, uh, Swigert had been dead for about 13 years, right? Or no. 12 or 13. And the movie kind of, it goes into his history as kind of this swinging bachelor, which isn't completely inaccurate you know <laughs> he did like to party party and he had he like he liked to date women and things like that so that's not really inaccurate but the movie kind of um makes it sound like he's this rookie and and it also kind of uh, makes sort of a tension between him and Hayes during the film yeah. and um that's and I talked to Hayes and nothing could be further from the truth uh Fred Hayes really thought highly of uh Swigert um I think Fred even pointed out that uh, Hay- or Swigert was one of the people who specifically requested to be a command module pilot because he um, knew the system so well. I-, I believe it was Swigert and Warden after um, Apollo after the Apollo One fire. They kind of wrote the book on command module contingencies, and of course Warden ended up becoming the command module pilot for Apollo Fifteen. And um, so I mean, I, I think um, even though Swigert got called up to the crew kind of at the last minute because he was the backup because of the whole measles scare and uh all that you know he was Hayes basically made it sound like he he it was rather his transition was rather seamless it wasn't you no know, as scary as it seemed in the film I mean he was extremely well trained he knew the vehicle very well they had no lack of trust in him whatsoever and um and he fit in really well with the crew and when and he was probably one of the best. Mattingly would have done a fine job, no doubt. I mean, and Mattingly did fly on 16, and he did a wonderful job on that. Um, but Swiger was, he was just as well qualified, and there was no real worry of him messing up or anything like that. So that's one thing that I think is important to address, and there was no tension with him and Hayes. They got along fine. So. Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, just a matter of having something to to talk about or have have some drama in the in the movie. Yeah. From from what I understood about uh, Swigert was that he did work with North American Rockwell on the command module so much so that he was one of the people that helped lay out the uh, instrument panel itself that they were using. That it had a better, smoother layout than the Block One, 
and that uh, he he was part of that design team. So if anybody was going to be there to find the right switch and stuff, he he would know yeah. what what to press and where where to find it. Oh yeah. My, um, fa- my favorite comment uh, through through this one. We talked to Ken Mattingly. Ken Mattingly said uh, that the second half of the movie is his favorite part of the movie. And I said, really? You know, how come? And he says, well, I become the hero uh, in the second half of the film. So, <laughs> <laughs> very, he saw, you know, the first half, I just kind of mope around once I get bumped off. And he says, I don't remember moping around like that. He said, but then the, uh, in the second half, I just, I saved the day by myself. <laughs> yeah, he kind of mopes around in that tank top for the first half of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And exactly. he's drinking beer and he's all... He's, He's Lieutenant Dan Part 2. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a continuation of that archetypical disappointed guy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, he does save the day in the film. Yeah. <laughs> and we all know how much, uh, we, we all know that a, a command module runs on a coffee pot's worth of electricity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Everybody seems to take the takeaway from the movie. Uh, we, uh, one of the dramatic bits of license that they, that they, they take here while they're showing, um, while they're showing Walter Cronkite reacting to, um, uh, Neil stepping on the moon. Uh, that piece where he takes off his glasses and wipes his eyes and is, is all tearful, that's actually lifted from the uh, moon landing that happened earlier in the afternoon. That's a, that's, that's a, a drop-in picture there from uh, Walter. Walter had uh, like seven hours to be excited about this <laughs> at their own yeah. so he's, uh, he He's wiping his eyes and smiling at Wally and blowing his nose and things because he just watched the moon landing, not the not, not wow. the walk on the moon. And I think but it's important it's, that we we talk we say this as we're you know Marilyn Lovell is in this shot, and we're talking about the um, you know the, the lunar module on the surface of the moon. Something that I didn't know until somewhat recently was the um, you know I thought Mount Marilyn was something that was just kind of you know I, I don't want to say not real, but just kind of a thing between Jim and 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 Marilyn and. I didn't realize that a it's actually there's an actual Mount Marilyn, and that it was actually the initial point for where they started the descent on Apollo 11. Yeah, it's it's a big uh, that that's a big triangular mountain that would be the first thing that they'd see when they hit the uh, P64 program that did the when they tilt over that would be the first uh, landmark that uh, Neil well that uh, Apollo 10 would see and then Apollo 11 would see. So uh, she was quite a benchmark for the for yeah, the that's first pretty neat. landing. I, I didn't yes. realize that. Yep, she definitely contributed in you know in her own way to. Uh, she wasn't flying the mission, but I, you know I don't want to make it make it sound you know sexist because um, the movie kind of goes into NASA gives her the runaround and they're not being upright with her about what's happened to her husband and stuff like that. You have to hand it to these, these very strong women because uh, I, I couldn't imagine just I mean just knowing that your husband's doing that job I mean just the risk and I mean there's acceptable risk obviously and then there's your husband going to the moon you know I mean <laughs> yeah exactly that that's crazy so yeah so you got to yeah. hand it to you know women like Marilyn who are just you know were in their own way you know they were just very pioneering I think <laughs> Yeah, and forming quite a quite a tight bond. I mean, in in Houston, there, that was that was their their club. They knew you know they knew each other, and oftentimes they were the ones that had to bring the bad news uh, to you know to other people. I mean, it, that that's how it went for the the crew of Apollo One, uh, hearing from other other astronaut wives before you know before other people got there. Yep. So it was it was quite a role, uh, you know, an unpaid role that they had as being the. Uh, the council for uh, for all the for all these different families. Yep. Um, 
and you know more aptly covered in uh, in the follow-on uh, from the earth to the moon series which i think anybody anybody who's seen apollo 13 and hasn't seen uh from the earth to the moon i i, I wouldn't call them a hipster <laughs> yeah oh yeah that, that's that's like one of those you know you have to have the book and the dvd set to really yeah have, you have to have yeah, both yeah yeah, and and you skip you skip the Apollo thirteen episode and just throw on the movie instead and just <laughs> yeah exactly it's like you have to <laughs> you have to have the whole experience exactly yeah yeah um, but a great I, I think this was a great introduction to understand the community of uh, of NASA astronauts and astronaut families and the support teams uh, this even though this event never happened this was the kind of this was the kind of social life that they had they interacted with each other because it was kind of difficult for uh, astronauts and their families to relate to other people what they were going through and so they I think they found comfort in each other's uh, in each other's families at the time well I think they had fun together too I mean they you know if you ever watched the documentary last moon Gene Sarkis got some uh, um, you know some great archival pictures in there Um, I mean these you know they actually genuinely enjoyed each other's company I think Oh yeah, yeah, and in Houston, I mean, they're living living right there. Uh, well, where the where the Lovells lived, they had a they had their own uh, little uh, dock that they could go out and and go out on the lake. And a lot of the astronauts like fished together and went, you know, water skiing together. Yeah, so this was just very much a neighborhood thing. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, um, I've talked uh, I've I've talked to a few people who are who were in astronaut families around that time and even even the people who weren't astronauts like even some of the flight controllers and other you know personnel who worked you know at a uh, JSC at the time um it's like they all kind of were like their own little community and because they could all kind of they could relate to each other they all worked these crazy hours and they were all kind of invested in the exact same thing so everybody was kind of like you said there was kind of a support group so to speak. Yeah, so. it's like a company. It's like a company town, but instead of being all coal miners, they're all you know going to the moon. <laughs> exactly. Coal miners of yeah. a different yeah. sort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is another story. Ah, wow. Well, th- uh, this has been great having you on. I, mean, I hope we we can have you on in a in another. Oh, moment, I would love uh, to. <laughs> Absolutely. In, in awesome. Uh, well, great. We'll we'll have you on. Where can people find you when they're when they're looking for you? Uh, well, um, I'm on Space Hipsters. Uh, my name is uh, Emily Carney. Obviously, um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I, I'm also on Twitter as um, uh, I think my name is uh, uh, Emily C1978 on on uh, Twitter. Uh, I had to think about it. I, I think I got that handle like 11 years ago or something. Um, <laughs> And uh, I also have a blog. Um, it's it's um, on Blogspot, um, the uh, blogger, which is through Google now, I think. But it's called the sure. This Space Available, and um, I, I've written about you know kind of a wide variety of different spaceflight topics and such. So you can always come and uh, find me there as well. But yeah, I'm on Space Hipsters pretty much twenty four seven. So <laughs> and anyway, I want <laughs> to never go to sleep you, uh, because I'm. You know, I'm I'm a World War II guy. I mean, I work at an aviation museum where we do a lot of World War II and aviation history. I'm I've always been a space guy. Like, I mean, I like it, but I'm still learning a lot of it. And Space mm-hmm. Hipsters has been such a a great place to learn. Uh, it's such a supportive community there. So I just want to say thanks because uh, I've I've learned a lot from uh, from what from just being a member there. Oh, thank you. I, it's wonderful to hear stuff like that. Uh, it's definitely 
uh, in fact, it's funny that you say that. As soon as we log log off here, I actually have um, a Skylab question. <laughs> that because I'm I, I'm really um, anybody who knows me, I'm really uh, obsessed with the Skylab program, um, and uh, I actually have a question about the program as far as uh, reentry. Don't ask. I, I get in these moods at work, and I think about this kind of stuff because that's because I'm a dork. <laughs> Like I'll that be in the Russian in the Russian shuttle, right? Yeah, and Baran. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I love Baran. <laughs> I don't see it at all. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm, you know, so I was gonna go on there after this and just ask, you know, drop this Skylab question, and and I'm sure somebody knows the answer. That's the freaky thing is it's something yeah. kind of obscure, but I'm sure somebody out there has something that can tell me the the answer to this. So. Or, or they they will tell you about the night that they tracked it during reentry. You'll you'll find that person yeah. out there. It's just it's it's mind boggling seeing the, the the talent that you have yeah. on your on your page. It's amazing. Exactly. But uh, the I, I echo Chris. Thank you very much for setting up space oh. hipsters because it's always I, I lose myself in an evening and, and I don't really mind <laughs> reading your. No site. problem. Thank you. Um, I pre- I I we appreciate it very much. So. Thank you. Well, great. All right. Great. Well, uh, for for uh, folks uh, for folks listening in and want to uh, catch up on previous episodes of Apollo 13 Minute, you can always find us online at Apollo13Minute.com, Apollo13Minute.com. Find us on Facebook at Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control. And you can also find us on uh, Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute. We will be back next week with another uh, bunch of great new guests hopefully as as wonderful as as emily has been uh, but we will we will check you out uh here next time on the paul 13 minute you can find us at itunes or google play or wherever your fine podcasts are sold or given away uh, but we will see you here uh lost the signal coming up in 30 seconds and uh, we will see you here next week on the apollo 13 minute